Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Island Radio. I'm Ben, and as usual, I'm joined by the newly recovered. Oh, <laughs> newly recovered from from uh, from what? Not from having a nice holiday. No. What was no. it, Graham? Oh. Having COVID. Yay! Yay! You got the Rona. All right. Great. Yeah, you were bigging up my forthcoming holiday, which I'm sure all the listeners are dying to to know more about. But I didn't go on holiday. So I stayed at home with, with Corona and I have to go on holiday another time. So Honeymoon cancels. I'm, I'm, fe- I'm feeling well. There's no threat to my existence currently. That's good. I mean, one plus side, I think it brought the episode a little bit closer to recording. Probably. <laughs> you can watch a lot of movies when you're lying in bed. Exactly. Doing nothing. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about Godzilla raids again. Which was, yeah, which was the <laughs> which was the sequel to the the OG fifty four Godzilla. Mm. Um, so released in nineteen fifty five and directed by Motoyoshi Oda. This is the only that I could see. This is the only Godzilla he ever directed. Which was um, no comment. Yeah, well, comments later. <laughs> yeah, lots of comments <laughs> to come. <laughs> Okay, so as usual, we'll do a little a little summary of uh, of this film just to remind everyone. Um, so uh, we start out with pilot Sioka flying his plane over the ocean, scouting for fishing spots. When a woman named Hidemi from the fishing cannery HQ, who is also Sioka's girlfriend, informs him that his fellow pilot Kobayashi made an emergency landing on Iwato Island. Um, Tsuka rescues him just as we see Godzilla fighting a new kaiju on the island. They then inform Professor Yamane from 1954 uh, and the authorities of what they saw, who then determine they witnessed the new kaiju Angiris. So Yamane suggests a blackout in Osaka and recommends firing flares out to sea to lure Godzilla away should he resurface in Osaka Bay, which he ends up doing. Um... So they put the plan into action. But trouble is, the flares end up luring in Angiras as well, and the two clash again, destroying big portions of Osaka, including Osaka Castle and the cannery. Um, Godzilla then kills Angiras by biting his neck, and then essentially cremates his corpse. Uh, so the fishing operations move up to Hokkaido, where the pilots end up helping the Japanese um, air defence force track Godzilla to Kamiko Island, and in an attempt to stop Godzilla, Kobayashi tries to use his plane to... I'm not really sure what he was trying to do, to be honest, but he ends up trying to stop Godzilla using his plane somehow, but ends up being hit by atomic breath and crashes into the side of a mountain. As a result, Tsukioka notices that when Kobayashi hit the mountain, it could trigger an avalanche. So he rallies the Japan Air Defense Force to concentrate attacks on the mountain, and then successfully creates a big avalanche, big enough avalanche, to bury Godzilla. Uh, the end. And that's pretty much as succinct as I could get it. Well, um, I would dare say this is the shortest of synopsis we've had. Yeah, I think since the, I mean, I think I wrapped up, was it the first episode we recorded? I kind of did that in a sentence. Mm. <laughs> and then they got like exponentially bigger after that point. But yeah, there was a, yeah, this is a lot shorter than the others. Um, so, I mean, th- this is the, so this is the first instance of a, having a, a giant monster mash on film, mm-hmm. specifically giant monsters. So, you know, it, it 
kickstarted the standard that we came to expect with subsequent films, subsequent Godzilla films. And it's the first film to feature fan favourite Anguirus. So in many ways, it's it's quite a landmark film. Yeah, well, not in many ways. In 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 some ways, it is. Well, I guess yeah. It's, if we commented last time that the first movie established a great many things, especially on the human side mm. of, of the storytelling, and this movie repeats some of those ideas already. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess the thing that this movie adds is the idea that that one monster is going to fight another, and I feel like even imagining a world where this film had never been made if you made one giant monster movie and then you wanted to make a second one i feel like the natural progression is that you put another monster in there yeah so, that's yeah good point yeah and here we are we've got monsters fighting for for all the time now <laughs> yeah um so what expectations did you have going in like what are you expecting to see because i mean i i knew nothing nothing about this film other than when it was released and that was it um, yeah, well, I knew a couple of things, and I think the same as you. I knew that they'd made it basically less than a year after the first movie. Um, so as soon as the, the first film came out, they just cranked out the sequel pretty much immediately. Yeah. Um, and having not seen it, I always had the expectation that it would probably be, you know, they reuse a lot of the same stuff. I, I presume the same like actors would come back and you know, the same sets and things, and they just thought, I, I just thought it's going to be Godzilla again. But yeah. with an extra monster in, and it's kind of not that, but you you can see that it's been chucked together very rapidly. Like they haven't really spent much time on the story. A lot of the film feels like filler. Mm. Um, I mean, there's one part when they recount what happened in the first movie purely by watching the Tokyo destruction scenes from the movie Godzilla on a projection screen, yeah. and that just goes on for like a minute, and it's like it's dead silence. It's longer. <laughs> but it's, it's like they play the they play the video to you but they don't play the audio it's weird it's uh i mean you could explain it away that you know it, it's silent film yeah, yeah in the context of, of the of reality but as a as a viewer of a, of a movie it's it's like it highlights how kind of like dull it is so i've always suspected that it, it would be kind of like this and like oh it's just a a cash in basically mm. and i was kind of sorry to say like yeah it's as it's as cynical as a movie from 1955 gets really I mean, um, yeah. So. I mean, I was basically expecting a not as good fifty-four. Mm. You know, um, that, that's that's all I expected. I, you know, I because whereas fifty-four is very serious and deep, um, I expected this to be like fifty-four light. You know, yeah. Um, and I kind of expected that sort of you know what aliens is to alien, right? Like the same thing, the same like thing, di- but it's like a bit okay, different. Yeah, yeah, but but different. Yeah, exactly that. So. I mean, I wouldn't compare this to Aliens. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I expected more destruction and action and stuff like that. So, you know, they had like the jailbreak scene, you had the <clears throat> avalanches, airstrikes, the monsters fighting. Love but Triangle. We'll get onto that. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like I would liken it to slasher movies when you have like Nightmare on Elm Street and then Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and 3 and 4 and like, you know, Freddy or whatever, you know, Nightmare, the, was it... Um, What's the Friday the 13th? That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, here's Friday the 13th again, or Halloween, Halloween 3, 4, 5, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's, it's like that, where, you know, you you expect to get a sequel that's basically the same, but a little bit different. And that's kind of like what it is, you know. Yeah. I, even though that's kind of what I was expecting, it was still a bit flat. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. I, this is the thing. Because it d- didn't scratch that kind of like monster movie itch that I was sort of expecting, actually. Yeah, I mean, to cut right to the point of my opinion on it, I expected it to be a rehash of the first movie, but not to be a poorly made movie. Um, which I pretty it pretty much is, mm. um, which is a shame because we, I mean, we've obviously um, seen the original Godzilla many times, and we spoke very highly of it on our recording because we think it's great. Um, it doesn't detract from that experience, but yeah, it, it's everything you would fear from this kind of thing. Like, oh, you know, Godzilla pretty much immediately becomes like, oh, just it's just a thing that we can just sort of McDonald'sify, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, that that's I mean. So yeah, like as you're saying, like this was released what uh, less than a year after, but yeah, it it was. I'll tell you how much less. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it was it was ordered a few weeks after Fifty Four was released, and then released six months after that point. So that's mm. from, you know, inception to release is six months, and that was like. And the the director, um, um, Oda, he he was expected by by Toho to direct seven movies per year. Jesus. So, like, it really was just a conveyor about, like, you know, get these out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so, you know, that argument that, you know, it's a cynical cash grab, it's perfectly valid because, <laughs> sadly, that that's essentially what it is. It's amazing, actually, that it made money because you would think that, I mean, it, obviously we live in a different era now of media where we consume so much and we see so much. But I would have thought that people's appetite for, for Godzilla would not have sort of you know they wouldn't have one kind of they just saw that and here's another one immediately you might want to leave it a bit more time you could even like cash in on just letting the first movie run for longer wouldn't you yeah i just yeah totally agree because if i okay let's just say friday the 13th for example right like, say the first one came out and then six months later a second one came out i'd be like mm. oh you know what? i haven't even seen the first one yet I mean, this you is know. basically what happened with the uh, the Matrix sequels when they did Reloaded, and oh, then yeah, true. it was seven months later because they'd already produced them back to back. I think it was like maybe even less actually. I think it was it was something like May to October. I think it was, but it might have been March to October. I can't quite remember. But yeah, they released the same year. Those two, mm. Matrix three and two, uh, two and three, um, and yeah, I mean, and I think Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean did something similar. I think. Mm. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's like anything that becomes annual or, or closer than annual. I mean, people have been saying for a long time that's going to be um, Marvel fatigue or superhero fatigue, which which is uh, an exception to the rule, perhaps. And obviously, we know that like cowboy movies, like westerns uh, and musicals, never suffered from this sort of thing. Mm. I feel when it's within the same franchise specifically, yeah. I mean, obviously, it did make money because well, here we are, sixty plus years later, and we still have Godzilla. <laughs> so clearly, it was a success. I'm just surprised that they were able to churn a sequel out six months after the fact and still make cash but i guess that just speaks to how popular the original movie was i think so yeah um i think it reviewed quite well as well yeah at the time which was strange i read um that it reviewed better yeah i just find that so odd i think because people were supposedly viewed the first movie as too lofty and this one was less sort of um you know, stuck up for lack of a better term. You know, it's, it didn't have these sort of grand allegorical ideas. It was it was purely like monster comes, monster fights, the end, and that's what people kind of wanted from it. So they mm. it kind of, yeah. So but. yeah, I mean, so I felt like it. Well, looking back at it, so kind of either put myself back in you know that era or looking back at it now. So I think looking back at it now, I mean, it, I think it suffers from being devoid of any 
point as it as it try, doesn't try to be a better film mm. you know it just again like we say you know it's just like churn it out uh, in fairness it does try to be a different style of film which is you know something i can give it credit for but thinking about audiences back then you know if we're gonna like dig a little deeper on that side of things i think that um something that struck me about the mood of the film was there's a like a great sense of optimism throughout it mm. whereas 54 was like you know super heavy problems at every turn kind of thing yeah there was this kind of i would say an almost unique to japan um sense like sense of resolve and like you know dealing with rebuilding and things like that so like an example i can think of is um i, I don't know if you saw the anime that was it um japan sinks 2020 no there's a point in that so basically you know japan's flooding and people <clears> are dying but there's one moment where i'll keep it spoiler free but this set of characters a family member of theirs dies hmm. and like while the person's laying dead next to them they're like we'll get through this and it's like it's almost happy sounding and like for myself watching that i'll be like oh my god how could you say that you know <laughs> but i i find this often with japanese you know cinema and tv and stuff like that there there is this sense of there is this sense of resolve um so like you know i th- i think that that is the kind of maybe the prevailing message for this film if there is one you know um but yeah i don't know it's kind of i don't know where i sit with it because like the weight of any aftermath in the movie if you know, something bad happens like when you know um, osaka kind of gets destroyed mm. that weight's gone because of the sense of optimism and as a result there's no sense of dread at any point you know there's whereas you're like oh god when's he going to surface next what's going to happen you don't ever feel this kind of threat so like there's after osaka basically gets destroyed they're having like a big old laugh in the rubble about you know <laughs> what's his name not having a girlfriend and all this kind of stuff and it's like right. yeah it's it's really i don't know i don't know where it sits with me it's just kind of odd i think is the only way i can describe it um but yeah maybe this is what audiences needed back then you know that you know like whereas um 54 was like as you were saying on the last episode you know this kind of is needed like you know in a you know to express how they're feeling maybe this is the next step in that like okay we, we know how we feel how do we move on from this well, I think you can imagine that if the first movie's come out, and yes, it's been a, a, a fairly unanimous success financially, but critically it's been told, oh, you're too thoughtful and we mm. don't want to, you know, um, you know, dwell on these these ideas, which I think is a purely sort of, it's antithetical to the reality of the situation because, and, and this is purely my opinion, but I feel it's, it's often the case in... Um, cinema and the critiquing of cinema that the critics don't actually know what people want um and i think people do and have responded to godzilla's uh, intention as a allegorical movie uh, you know in, in the time it's released and the year since the, the 54 one yeah exactly the yeah. original movie yeah um regardless of whether or not it received criticism for that which as we've said like we know that it did because then raids again comes out and it was praised for being a more simplistic movie um and I think it's easy to then say, oh, well, this movie's a success because it rights the wrongs of the previous Godzilla movie when it's like that 
assumption is based on a misunderstanding of what, of what people liked about the first movie anyway. Mm. Um, so yeah, I feel like you could say, oh, the filmmakers were maybe responding to what they'd heard that that was negative about the first Godzilla movie and therefore made it lighter. But I think it's probably more a case that, as we've said, they made this movie in the six-month turnaround and they probably just didn't have the time to imbue it with anything deeper than, than what it is because you know, we've already pretty much discussed that we don't think it's a great movie or it's well made but to kind of describe what it's like to watch this film when you watch 54 there's a lot of kind of thoughtful moments you see the destruction that Godzilla's um, you know committing on like a human level on a street level you can see like the victims of, of um, what's going on and you also get the conflict that people want to kill Godzilla and some people don't want to kill him there's a lot of like thoughtful stuff there with that and like oh you know you've got the oxygen destroyer as well so it's a weapon like should we use it shouldn't we use it is it right to destroy the plans of it and all this blah blah blah. Mm. then you watch godzilla raids again and right from the off you get these shots of like planes flying over water and they're like over boats and they're surveying like fisher you know activity and stuff like that and it's very drawn out and slow and there's a lot of space where there's nothing really happening and the movie hasn't really given you anything to chew on mentally either you're just seeing shots of like planes flying around yeah and there's just shots of boats and there's a lot of that in the movie like even after Godzilla and Anguirus have appeared it'll go long stretches of a relatively short movie it'll go long stretches of just sort of like just things happening like there's a scene like you said where they were having um they're having a drinks sort of you know after work one night and this is like between Godzilla attacks and there's just a lot of kind of space there. There's just lots of space in the movie where it's it's basically filler, where they're just sort of, <laughs> oh, we need some story to take place before the next Godzilla attack, but we aren't filling this time with anything that is metaphorical or philosophical or anything. It's just like, it's it's purely human interest. And, you know, the human interest story that's in this movie isn't actually that bad, but it's so, like, thin that you'd be it'd be hard to praise it either like there's a very very simplistic like love triangle which is basically most of the story um like you, you've done your synopsis obviously and, and uh, you know going through like oh godzilla appears godzilla gets drawn to osaka and i really like that this idea like oh we've sent off the flares and it's it's distracted godzilla but then you get Angiris coming the opposite direction and that actually draws the fight into Osaka. Yeah. But the movie doesn't have uh, the time or, or the production value to show you that really occurring. You're basically told, mm, yep. oh, the flares have gone off and they've, they've, they've distracted one monster and they've attracted another. And then before you know it, you're in the fight. And we'll get onto the fight. Yeah, obviously. you're right. You are literally told that. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't actually see like oh Angiris like being roused by these flares. Like you're just being told that. And that is the, the best part of the movie to me is that you know, oh, this is how we've tried to distract the monsters and actually we've caused them to, to fight, which is what we were trying to avoid. And you could argue, like, is there some depth there? You know, could we allegorize something in that? You know, we were trying to prevent something and we've caused it with our behavior. But it's, it is a fleeting moment in an otherwise very low quality movie. And I enjoyed some of the performances and like the acting. But yeah, it, it's thin on the ground. Like it's very sort of by the numbers. Like let's just see some fights and call it a day, basically. Yeah, I mean, when I was writing that synopsis and reading it back as well, just there, I kind of it was weird how little I talked about Godzilla. Mm. <laughs> and it was about them fishing and moving their HQ and stuff like that. And Flying it was like planes around. Yeah, and it's like the only yeah. bit I mentioned about Godzilla <clears throat> and Gyrus was they fought once and then they fought again. <laughs> That's kind of it, you know. Um, 
And when you see the second fight, it's hard to believe that Anguirus survived the first one. Well, they just fell in the water, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's just like Godzilla <laughs> doesn't have any issue like killing this like opponent to me. Right, right. Um, so that's what I'm saying is like if Anguirus comes across Godzilla, Anguirus is that's his numbers up. <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> fell, falling into the water and, like, escaping is, like, a, that's a stroke of luck for Anguirus, really. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. Uh, let's, so let's talk about a bit about the characters as we were just talking okay. about them. Um, so we've got Kobayashi, or Mr. Groom, who is played by Minoru Chiaki, who has just the best aim ever. How he managed to throw that message from his plane to that boat in the wind. <laughs> Guy should be playing darts. Amazing. Um <laughs> Do you want to describe what it is you're referring to? Remember where he was? I know, like, I know, I know. Oh, okay. Like... So yeah, he's <laughs> he's he's flying he's flying around Hokkaido trying to help the the fishing boats, and he chucks up. He sees his buddies down in in this on this boat, and he's like, you know, however many thousands of feet up in the sky, and he flies around. Then he throws this whatever it is. I don't know. It's a message a in a, tube a little with tube with a, with a message yeah, with a in, it. in it. I, you know, I don't even remember what the message said. I was just like, how the hell did he land that on the plane? It's basically, if I'm not mistaken, you're doing a good job down there with your fishing. Yeah. Um, it was something like, we'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's, yeah, it might not have been that, it was but it certainly wasn't any, there was no revelry to it that I can tell you that for certain. Did he write that while he was up in the sky or did he write that? before he left and was like i hope i see them and maybe then, he's got like a cache of like miscellaneous notes yeah it's just like which one should i send today which one's appropriate like your, your fishing down there is shocking <laughs> <laughs> can't believe you haven't caught any fish <laughs> but yeah uh, he, he basically like drops it like what like 10 15 000 feet onto like a speck from his perspective and yeah it's this boat and you actually yeah. see it from his perspective at one point because <laughs> i thought they were like fish in the sea, maybe, I was like, what was maybe this? The, there were boats. <laughs> maybe the film did this like a kindness and just like cut out all the failed attempts of the message dropping. <laughs> but this is the thing that you were talking about, is that like, in at this point in the movie, Godzilla has attacked Osaka and there's there's been some, some stuff going on. Yes, because that's why they're in Hokkaido. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's like, it doesn't really give you a time frame, does it? But it's something like, it's a few months later or something. Oh, that this is kind of interesting because... Right. D- <laughs> It seems like they just teleported there because of the way the film was cut. It's some time later, I think. It's supposed to have been like a a few weeks at least, I think. Because I I, I, I assume it must be because, as you said, they're all so flipping cheerful now. Like, Like, delighted. Yeah, Godzilla's destroyed this city. They're all traumatized. People have been killed. They're like, oh, we've got to go up coast to continue fishing and then avoid Godzilla and find Godzilla and blah, blah, blah. And they're just sort of like chilling out and having a good time, just chucking each other notes and like, uh, and you know, <laughs> just doesn't seem like it's just not the same vibe that you would expect from no, a n- recently slaughtered population. No. But. Um, uh, who else have we got? We got uh, Tsukioka, and he's in a couple with um, Hidemi. Yeah, the more handsome of the two pilots in our he, story. Right. So this guy it was uh, played by Hiroshi Ko- Koizumi. And you've seen him in another film. Have I? Yes. Oh, oh. Uh, Maybe you can guess. Um, Western or Japanese? Japanese. I don't know. Um, does he like, has he been in a more recent one as, as a different character or something? He was in a Millennium film right. as, a, as a different character. Um, is is he the one, you know, there's that one where um, 
there's like an, a, a little boy and his grandpa and they take a little road trip yep. with like baby Godzilla. Oh, no. No? No, but it's <laughs> you, were, you were close with the, you know, grandfather and grandchild ah. thing there. Which other ones have grandchild, grandfather? It was, uh, oh crap, which, <laughs> which one <laughs> you think I'd remember which one it was. It was either Tokyo, Tokyo SOS or Against Mechagodzilla. Well, Tokyo SOS, I believe, is the one I'm thinking of. Which where... is which is the one with Mothra? Oh my god, we did we've done two episodes about this. You think to- I'd remember this? Tokyo SOS <laughs> has like loads of stuff in, doesn't it? And is that the one where? Oh no, there is maybe. Well, yeah, there is. Is there two different things? There's one where a child sets the chairs out yes, in the it's playground. That one. It's that one. Yes, and they attract Mothra, and that's a much better movie. Can't remember the title of it. Yeah, so that um, that was the sequel, and you you I remember you liked that one a lot. Sure, because my expectations were lower or something on the floor, basically. Can't yeah, it was, so. yeah. I was optimistic that I would like it. Yeah, and then I did. So Which, he's you know. the granddad in that, right? But then there is another movie with a granddad in a not dissimilar role. And yeah, basically, that's yeah. a different granddad. Yeah, different granddad, right? But yeah, so this guy, yeah, Hiroshi Koizumi, he's he's in whichever one of those two films it was. But this guy, yeah, he's he's one handsome devil. He's a very good-looking man. Um, and he's in... Um, because he, in the film that he was in where he was a grandfather, he, he was reprising his role from uh, Mothra. So, oh, right, so he's in Mothra as well. Yeah, he's in Mothra, yeah. So, That's a bit of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, like, as soon as I saw his face, I was like, oh, I know this guy. What have I seen him in? And I was, I was thinking of Mothra and... So yeah, it was, uh, it was quite interesting. Um, so yes, this character, Tsukioka, uh, he is former Air Force, but now working at the cannery, looking for fish, uh, just to boil it down. <laughs> uh, and then we've got yeah Hidemi, who was played by Satsuko Wakayama, uh, and she's one of the nags at the station, as uh, Kobayashi put it. Mm. Uh, those aren't my words. Um, but yeah, so if we're going to talk about this, this love triangle. So I'm, I'm interested to to find out why you find it so disagreeable. Actually. Because it sounds like you just is weighing quite heavily. Yeah, on it, it it bugs me. So like, so as we essentially learn throughout the movie that um, you know Kobayashi has has affections for someone. You know, we suspect he might have a girlfriend or a, a girl he's got his eye on or something like that. And then mm-hmm. just before he flies out um, to help with the whole Godzilla situation. He leaves his notebook, which has, you know, a picture of the girl that he likes. And then Hidemi picks up his notebook and sees that it's a picture of her. And obviously she's already in a relationship with the handsome with pilot. With the handsome pilot, exactly. And then and then, well, that is, is, he flies off. She finds out after he's left, as you said, that she, he, he, he likes her. And then he dies in that. He never comes back. Yeah. And it's never really resolved because there's, there's no scene really of them like coming back after the whole i mean what's godzilla's dealt with in this movie the movie kind of ends doesn't it um but yeah i I kind of found that interesting in a way like you know she knows that he likes her and then he dies and like she she, she's with another guy so it's kind of tragic but like there's conflict so Mm. there's something it's not great but there was something well i could i I could see it coming a mile off for a start oh yeah yeah so but my issue with it is that i find you know, you just don't like love, do you? So, no, no. Someone pining after their mates <laughs> don't like love. <laughs> someone pining after their mate's girlfriend. Uh huh. Not cute. Not no. cute. I think. It, I not think really. it's 
in a real life situation, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this, but you know, we've known people like this. <laughs> um, I just, I find it's awkward and irritating and yeah, just stop. It, it's only cute in movies. Like this is, this is yeah. a, this is a fully grown person. You're absolutely right. Yeah. When you see it on screen, you're right. Um, it's easy for me to just detach it from reality a little bit, especially when the movie's old and more sort of from a more romantic era of cinema, shall we say. Um, yeah, I would draw the line for me. I'd say having a crush on your your best mate's girl is not great, but I would draw the line at putting a picture of her in that's, your wallet. That's exactly where I'm at with it. But I just I, what I liked about it was the was was the the you know she found out and then he died. I thought that was just that was an interesting idea in a movie yeah. reasonably devoid of of ideas. Mm. I was like, oh, you know, okay, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean. You're right. I mean, for movies of that era, like you, you know, I think a lot of the time people don't connect with, you know, movies from that era because of because of how stylized it is. You know, that kind of it's it's romantic, and and the style right. is romance. You know, so everything's kind of, you know, a bit kind of over the top and, and idealized, yeah, you know, sensationalized. Yeah. And- so I think this kind of, you know, it fits in that little category. That's I think that's a fair thing to say, and I I do find. Like as much as I've said, oh, I don't f- f- like the way they've done this. You know, I don't like this idea of pining after your mate's girlfriend. Um, but the idea of unrequited love is a powerful tool in film, and I, I fall for it. You know, I love that kind of thing. It's, it's, you know, most people can relate to that kind of thing. You know, it's, uh, mm. it's painful. You know, it's whatever. You know, um, but yeah, just the, just the, you know, <laughs> uh, just the way they're done. It's just not didn't sit with me. So yeah, those are my thoughts on that. I obviously hate love. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I mean, this thing, we started this little segment because you were like, let's talk about the characters. I mean, there's nothing really else to say, though, is there? Like, no. Um, Mr. Groom, as they call him, this guy who's got the unrequited love, he's a bit goofy. Yeah. He's a bit gawky. He's supposed to be less attractive than the other guy. And that's put across in a fairly r- reasonable way. Like, I don't think the film makes it too objective you know they don't like put ugly makeup on this girl or anything it's like he's just not the other guy um and the performance is fine but like there isn't really anything beyond that like you don't really spend time with the characters that much there's a scene where the lady she looks unhappy a bit at a party yes. she's at a party where the entire building seems to be filled with men except for and her. i wonder if that's the reason was it she was supposed to be uncomfortable in that situation with all these drunk men around I think it's a bit of both, where she's at this party, um, post Godzilla attacking Osaka party. Yeah, and, and they all went up to Hokkaido. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a bit of both that she's uncomfortable around all these drunk fellas, but also she's feeling like her boyfriend, who's also present, isn't really paying her any. Oh, mind. is that like, what's going on? Yeah, it's like she feels uncomfortable, and he doesn't see that. He doesn't. He's not there for her in a way. Is what I got. And, s- and then and someone made the a goofy joke, guy. Didn't they? They're like, "Oh, who are you actually going to be marrying? Is it?" Kobayashi. Yeah, and they ask him. He, they ask him if he's allowed to drink, and is he henpecked? And, and that this isn't the subtitles, obviously, but um, yeah. So they they kind of jeer him about his relationship, and he doesn't really say like, "Hey, you know, I like my girlfriend" or whatever. He's just like, mm. um, so I get the feeling right. she's get she's getting a bit tired of him. Anyway, mm. they put kind of put that in there, and then like I say, Mister Groom, you know the the goofy weird. I've got a picture of you in my pocket. Guy comes in. And he's With sort the of picture in his pocket. Yeah, and they're saying like, "Oh, have you got a girlfriend?" And I, I always feel like I thought, and I don't know if I got the wrong stick about this. They start using after Godzilla attacks, 
and they go up to this other place to fish. Mm. They start using this terminology where like these pilots are looking for Godzilla and they're saying to him like, oh, you know, Mr. Groom and they, they use some like sort of wedding analogies. And I was like, is Godzilla the bride? Is, is this like code? <laughs> I was like, is this like code for them? Like they're looking for Godzilla? But no, like I guess it's that they, they think they he's got like a, a secret girlfriend basically. And I was like, oh, right. I thought it was like so that... I guess Godzilla wouldn't hear their messages or something. But, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I I just didn't get that until it was so basically it was a pretty it was a lame joke that mm. stuck that just stuck basically. That's yeah. yeah, and yeah, he just forever became known as Mister Groom. But like, I, it seemed like they came up with j- the joke there and then, but then Hidemi's like, you know, oh, you know, how'd you get this nickname kind of thing? It's like, well, you were there, right? You were there when in the burning rubble when the joke was made i thought it was just like a call sign you know this is this is part of the problem with this film is is the script or maybe the maybe a, a combination of the script and the direction like i i couldn't follow a lot of what was a lot of the conversation no that's like there, just there was lots of unnatural reactions to things in a conversation like when they said about going to hokkaido mm. um hidemi was like oh darn but smiling and I was like, "What? What am I? What do I need to grab here? I can't. I couldn't figure out what was going on." Like, and there's that point where you know they suddenly teleport to Hokkaido, you know, like the next scene, and it's like, "Oh yeah, we came up here as quickly as we could," and it was just things like, because like Kobayashi was already there, and it's like, "Well, why didn't they just all go up together? Why did you make a point of them going up separately to then just put them both there at the same time on the film anyway?" It's just, I couldn't figure out why all these disparate events were happening and the reactions people were having in different conversations i think it's two things really isn't it we this this is the big thing is that the movie was rushed out so things have not been refined yeah it felt like there was a i feel like there was an unfamiliarity with different cogs in the machine so Mm. like the director and the actors probably didn't really get a good grasp of the script or what was going on potentially they probably filmed all this stuff pretty rapidly and didn't spend much time talking about what they were going to do or anything but this mm. is the other thing is like yes it was rushed and then the result is that you get quite a boring movie and this is the other the other thing is that boring films are quite hard to follow yeah yeah so you know i just feel like it's it's a yeah you know just a bit of a calamity really there i yeah i think they tried self-defeating to, in a way i think they tried to spice it up with things like there's that whole prison break thing so when they did, I, oh, when, I forgot all about that yeah yeah with good reason because it doesn't go anywhere <laughs> Like they, well, this is what I thought. So they have the blackout in Osaka, and right. uh, and they need to evacuate certain sections, right? And so they transfer some people from a prison to presumably another prison somewhere else. But in the middle of this, the prisoners in a couple of the vans or one of the vans, they revolt. They manage to escape. And then some cops manage to flag down um, Sukioka to be like, hey, chase those criminals. And then they do. I think some of them, in their van, they fly into a like an oil tanker or something and it blows up and then mm. some others see Godzilla and then run away into this tunnel and then it gets flooded and all this kind of stuff. But then it then it doesn't... Then that's kind of where it ends. <laughs> it's like, what was that all about? It, it's that their escape leads to the fire being caused at the oil refinery and that's part of what draws Godzilla in. Like the, that light, you know, from the flames. Oh, I- 
Oh, right, okay. I'm being really <laughs> but I don't want to be patronising, but I'm getting the sense that you didn't realise that no, until just now. You know what, to be honest, <laughs> I was like making food <laughs> at that specific moment. So, because I figured, oh, you know what, there's a car chase, blah, blah, I didn't really... Yeah, okay, that's just me being dumb. Yeah, well, okay, I'm glad you explained it to me. It may, at least it's given it, you know, some some context of why we're even seeing this thing happen. I actually really liked the uh, prison break thing, to be honest with you, and I completely forgot that it was even in the movie. I liked I it this, too, actually. In fact, I was struggling to pay attention to it because it was so boring, and I thought, Ben's going to be mad at me <laughs> if I don't watch this movie properly. Um, but um, yeah, I when I was watching the prison break, this is how I would have done it. This is how I'd fix this. So yeah, the 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 city's been um, there's a blackout, like we say. They, they want Godzilla to come, and then the prison break causes the fire, and and that that attracts Godzilla. But you've only just met the prisoners during this sequence. It's like well, they're being transported because um, you know they they need to move people away as an evacuation. Mm-hmm. But it would have been more interesting to me if the film had actually opened with the prisoners being transported for a completely non-Godzilla-related reason. Right. And the escape happens, and then and those then characters who guys. are on the run, you follow them partially through the movie, so they become some of the characters. Like, that would have been really interesting. Like, oh, there's a Godzilla film here, but also we've got these characters who've, like, escaped from prison, and then later they go on to cause the, the fire, and then that, you know, more of a narrative, basically. Like, I thought that was a really interesting bit when it's like, oh, you know, at first, I was like, "Why are we seeing these prisoners be transported?" And then they escape from the van, and there's a bit of a car chase, and like, it was very comical. Actually, the acting was was dreadful. Because <laughs> when the prisoners, when the prisoners were running away, they keep falling over. Yes, yeah. and it feels like the actors or the director decided that to make it look like they're running away really frantically, they must be like stumbling and falling over all the time. Yeah. But the actors do it in such a hammy, like deliberate way, where they're just like rolling around and like they take like two steps and they do a roly poly, and it's just like <laughs> it is literally like clowning around. Yeah. But yeah, I found it really interesting. Like, oh, you know, these these characters are like you know ne'er do well types, and they're on the run, and then they end up causing like Godzilla attack, and like mm. so yeah, I was like, oh, there was something again. It was like I don't want to praise this because it was kind of a big nothing. Yeah. But I'm like, with a bit more time, with a, with a net, with another six months on the clock. They could have worked that into something quite interesting. Yeah, I I agree. They really could have because it felt like there was the kernels of something a bit more interesting there. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then we had uh, just, just thinking about the characters again. We had Yamane. He was back for basically what was a cameo. Um, yeah. Now to to legitimise this movie, basically. Yeah. They've so- got his face on the poster as well. And it's just like because yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean he was a he was a big star, so. Right. You know, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Rope him back in. Um, so I think his appearance in it, he just highlighted how out of place he was with the rest of the film because, like, he still was quite, you know, dour, like mm. his character, and uh, you know, it just, yeah, it just felt like felt like what it was. You know, oh, we just need him there, stick him in there quickly, and it just well, seemed a bit, a bit strange. In the previous movie, we had all this conflict about, like, oh, we want to use the oxygen destroyer to kill Godzilla. And then it's like, oh, you know, Professor Eyepatch is like, I'm going to kill myself. Do You can't use this device ever again. And there you go. Godzilla and him are both killed. End of movie. Yeah. And now Godzilla's back. He wasn't dead. So that sacrifice was, like, for nothing. And also, not only is the sacrifice pointless, we don't even have that weapon anymore. So this guy comes back. This And he, he should be, like, bringing that 
sort of sorrowful like vibe into it like oh the whole movie the previous movie has now been rendered pointless and perhaps intelligently so they don't draw any attention to the fact that like they've kind of undone the whole film just for the sake of making another one but the fact that it doesn't mean anything at all is very kind of telling and just like this is kind of meaningless like there's no apart from his presence which is just to watch those silent film highlights of Godzilla's previous antics and then he leaves um there's no reason for him to be there so it's kind of just like yeah it's just like bums on seats remember this guy from the last movie yeah yeah yeah, this is a sequel yeah and it's just like no yeah because they don't talk about the first movie at all other than him being there for a little bit and then it's just like whatever yeah that he because he advances the i mean i think it was at the end of the of 54 he was Mm. saying like oh this could happen again you know there could be another godzilla and then it does he say that yeah he's like oh if we something i can't remember his exact words but it's something along those lines right i can't remember I can't remember either. We've we proven our memories aren't great. Okay? Yeah, that's what okay. we've established today. You want it? You've got it. <laughs> I've said it now. Is I the one thing I do do remember is one thing you said. I think it was in the very first episode we recorded. I was saying like, hopefully by doing this, we can cement these films in our mind because like we're very forgetful <laughs> and like if we've just proven that no, that doesn't happen. We could watch these films again. It'd be like a new movie. They do tend to become a big ball. Yeah. The Millennium Era, especially. <laughs> He's like just a one big like event. Yeah, yeah. But, An event's a good way to put it. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, um so Yamana, he he has he advances that theory as well in this film that you know, the lights blinking remind him like give him flashbacks of um the uh the hydrogen bomb testing. Uh which was I thought was quite a cool cool uh callback to uh fifty four because like your favourite scene in fifty four was when the reporters were on that tower with the flashing yeah. lights. And I was like, oh, you know, because he went towards that tower and I was like, oh, that's quite a nice little, you know, bit of continuity there. And they may be trying to, to maintain some connections to, to the real world events, obviously, though, have also inspired the movies too, but it's, it's very fleeting. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so now we've got this new Godzilla. And I think this is the same Godzilla now throughout the entire of the Showa era. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Unless a, a future movie states otherwise, it's definitely the same one as the previous movie. So, as the previous I, movie, as Godzilla, you know. What do you mean? So, so the Godzilla <laughs> in this film and the Godzilla in Godzilla Fifty Four. Yeah. Same guy. No. Yes. No. So this is a, this is a new Godzilla. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Because like the other one, you saw his bones. He, he's gone. Oh yeah. So now th- this is this is the new one, and this mm. is the one that's like you know, he's we see this guy throughout the rest of Showa. Yeah. This is this is the worst episode we've ever recorded. It's before. horrendous, isn't it? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Sorry, everyone. We'll scrape through. You know, it's because this film's, you know, there's not as much to grab onto as Fifty Four. Let's just say that. Um, it's the film so Yeah. Yeah. Let's blame the film. Um, but this this Godzilla, spe- yeah. specifically, I think we get a bit of bastard Godzilla here because you know sometimes it's good, sometimes it's a bit of an asshole. Is he a buddy or is he a bastard? Yeah, and like I just get the feeling like he's in he's in apex mode. He's an asshole. Right, yeah. You know, he's really gunning for Angiris. Well, if we're to believe that there was own that we, first of all we thought there was one Godzilla and they they offed him, and now there's another Godzilla and that was probably his only friend. Absolutely. So no wonder he's a bit of bastard. Okay, yeah, fair enough. That's a good way to put it. Um, and then, yeah, we've got Anguirus as well, who is 
so underutilized, really. Uh, it's kind of uh, outside of the fact they wanted another monster in there. It's like, why was he there? Like, like I said at the beginning, that's natural progression, isn't it? I mean, I feel like they weren't super creative. But again, I guess it's the, it's the early part of the kaiju, so you know he's a hedgehog kind of guy. Yeah. So I mean, at least he's different. They could have been. They could have just, just done another like, Godzilla. Here's another Godzilla. Yeah. So you know. True. So I I expect even though you know we saw Angiras get killed, you know, bitten on the neck and burnt, I still expected him to return for like a final fight at the end. Hmm. I just felt like he was gone too soon. I was just I assumed he was coming back for the you know the big final fight to kind of close out on. But that didn't happen, and I found that really, I don't know, I was like, oh, right, that, 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 that'll be the climax, and then it wasn't, it was just, you know, a lot of snow was the climax. That's what I mean, really, is that Angiris was so easily dispatched in the end, I find it hard to believe that he was ever, you know, an, an opponent to begin with. This guy's an, an inconvenience at best. <laughs> don't come for me, Angiris, but... So, the special effects of this... I I feel like they they did try to push the envelope to some degree, and I think it was probably difficult in the time frame they were given. But you can see there was some effort there. Like um, some of the close up fights are like, okay, let's try using puppets. And you can see some of the puppetry there, which is in its own way kind of interesting. You know, you can mm. probably achieve some things that you couldn't do in a suit. Some um, articulation, shall we say? Yeah, things like that. Yeah, especially with the head moving, like Angiris was doing a lot of that, you know, rolling his head around like the, um, like that, uh, was it that, that statue in Art Attack? <laughs> <laughs> Niche reference. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for anyone who doesn't know, there was a kid's show, like a an art show called Art Attack, and basically there's this what kind of it's a side bust, character. It? Yeah, so it's a bust in a museum it's that supposed talks. to like a Greek statue head yeah like caesar or something and whenever he laughs he rolls his rubbery neck around and it's just like laughing like an idiot uh, like an impressive puppet if i recall actually yeah absolutely uh and, and then we have like some things like uh you know godzilla's got some eye movement as well on the scene mm. you know it's, that's quite interesting and you mentioned the boggling action going on yeah there. yeah and you mentioned the station getting flooded with that kind of composite shot i really like that i mean you could see the you know, kind of the edges of composition there um, but I, well, what did they do? Is it's, it's a it's a double exposure, like it's in camera. Yeah, it's, so it's 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 like with a composition, you would have to go and and match up two pieces of film after the fact. Yep. Um, whereas in in these cases, they're literally running the film through twice, and if they screw it up, they can't go at it again. They can't produce another copy of it and try the composition a second time. You know, as expensive as that may be. Um, you know, so yeah, it, they they film one bit and then they film the next bit using literally the same material. So if it's if it's misaligned, the miniature and the full scale human or whatever it is, it's not going to look good, and they can't do anything about it. Mm. And I think what you're seeing is evidenced that they spent a lot of time on this, mm-hmm. being quite meticulous in '54, and then we, you know, I think the subway flooding shot is very good. The water, the miniature, the actors—it all looks pretty good. But you can see it's just not aligned perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And it's time; they just haven't got the time. Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah. So this is where it really kind of lets itself down. I mean, it's you have some almost spectacularly bad moments, like um, when they're flying over uh, Kamiko Island, the you know the icy island. Yeah, you towards see, the end. Yeah, you see that um, Godzilla from a bird's eye view. You see him down there, just standing there, mm. and it's like it looks ugh, horrendous. He's just static, just literally just stood like a stone. 
Um, because I, I read... Um, did you read about this? Yeah, go on. It's, it was supposed to be like a wind-up toy sort of thing. that Like, it would walk. Yes. And it, it didn't look good. Like, I guess it, like, looked fake. So they thought, oh, we'll just have him stand still. And I, I can't imagine how bad it looked walking if it looked better doing nothing. Yeah, but. right. I, I kind of want to see footage of it moving, to be honest. Um, yeah, just not, not, a great, not a great moment. Um, and then the atomic breath... They had to use it. Um, they had to do it with a puppet instead, and I think they just kind of sprayed water or mist or something. Yeah, because the new suits, the new Godzilla suit mouth wasn't wide enough to do fire. And then you've got some of the fights that it looks like, you know, really dodgy, unchoreographed um, sumo wrestling. And mm. then apparently, like, <laughs> because some of the shots are like so fast. Yeah, it's because they the camera up or whoever they had was it they undercranked or overcranked um they would they, have... they undercranked it i think yes yeah they undercranked the the shot so that when it was played back it was it was sped up basically so it was like double speed yeah. um and shall i do you want me to go over the concept of over and under cranking for people listening who might not understand what that means yeah go on so, like in in the olden days of cinema, you would have to physically crank the film through the camera to take the pictures that make up the, the moving image. And if you crank it at the correct speed, which is twenty four frames per second, it looks natural, just like we see things with our eyes. If you overcrank with the camera, that means you're moving the film through the camera faster and taking more pictures which then has the effect of when it's played back, there's so many more images within the, the frame, it looks slower because you're seeing more time on, on camera. Exactly. So when you want to film something that looks big, like Godzilla fighting another monster, you want to have that big lumbering, slow-moving scale effect. You would overcrank it, take more pictures faster, play it back, it looks slow, he's a big guy. And they screwed up on, on Raids again and they undercranked it, which is that you're, taking, you're, you're turning the film through more slowly when you film it but that has the effect of taking fewer pictures which then when you play it back there's so few frames of them fighting that actually it looks really really fast um and so that's why we say overcrank or undercrank and and that's where the effect comes from and they they literally got they and like we, we were talking about just now and we got it confused in our mind is it over or is it under they must have had this conversation on set of, of raids again yeah and they're like, oh yeah we'll We'll undercrank it because under slower, right? Because that's what you naturally think. Yeah. But no, that means you're taking far too few frames, and it isn't like um, how things are now with digital cameras. You know, you, we could film something at like fifty frames, and we can slow it up, down or speed it up, and we still can undo those things and, and rework stuff. Like you know, with the other effects we've already described, if you film this wrong on set, that's it. You can't. It's done. Yeah, they spent their money. The day's gone. They 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 screwed it big time, and that's why all these fight scenes look like they're moving like three times faster than even a normal normal human being could because they filmed it wrong, and they should look like they're moving like quite a lot slower. So there you go. No, yeah, that's that's exactly it. So I mean, um, Subaraya, the special effects director, apparently he was absolutely pissed when he found <laughs> out. Yeah, because this is like this is the thing that the movie's about. And... Yeah, and there were, there was no money or time left to do it, so it just it had to go out like that. It's staggeringly to think that they, they looked at the final film and that even the studio was like, no, nah, I can't redo that. And I get like there's a lot of miniatures involved. They can't redo those miniatures and break them again. Mm. And you can't redo some shots in slow-mo and have the rest be sped up. Like It's just totally and fucked it. I think <laughs> the uh, Osaka Castle as well. 
yeah like, yeah that was something they, they had to keep rebuilding it because they kept messing it up and the, oh, it just sounded like absolute hell imagine watching it back in in the you know when you're watching the dailies it's like hold on a second you're playing this at the wrong speed no <laughs> this is the right speed well let me have a look at that film why is this film so short <laughs> i don't get it and it's like no you just like pissed away like tons and tons of money and it looks yeah, bad yeah but clearly and we were talking about this movie saying it's not that great and lamenting it's it's lack of quality right but it hasn't harmed godzilla franchise has it no it seemed to have helped it because here we are so, <laughs> you know um so yeah okay we could talk about some of the stronger elements i think the uh so like the cinematography i think it was much brighter you know elevated the mood and it mm. felt more like a you know an adventure with these characters which i which i think was the intent you know, they didn't want it to be like you were saying, you know, they'd listen to feedback from 54, you know, oh, yeah, too, too sad, too depressing. Let's, you know, bring it back up a bit. And I think they, you know, I think they, they achieved that if that's what they were trying to do. I think they, they nailed that aspect. It's more um, popcorn movie and yeah, it, it doesn't have an, it has an uneven tone if you take the, the previous movie into consideration, but in mm-hmm. isolation, the movie has a pretty stable tone. So yeah. Um, yeah. But then you still do get some, I think, genuinely good horror moments. Um, and I think, you know, Godzilla, I, whenever there's a good horror moment in a Godzilla film, I tend to bring it up. I love horror films, obviously, mm. and all of that. Um, you know, and I think we've established that Godzilla can can do horror quite well. So when he's like coming back, you know, coming up from, um, um, the uh, coming out of Osaka Bay, I think that's creepy as anything. Like where the flares are going... You know, and you see kind of Godzilla's head rising out of the water, um, and he looks like totally messed up. It's, uh, I think that was a really, that was a, a strong moment there, and mm. like the, uh, the music for that moment actually, I think was, for what little music there was, that's quite a standout piece. Um, and I said the same thing about Fifty Four, like when you know when he comes out of Tokyo Bay, it's the, it's the same kind of thing. It's the the same moment essentially, but in, in yeah. a different place. Uh, yeah, they, they did that well. Um, but actually, speaking about the music, as you said with the uh, the scene with Yamane, where he's where he's showing the um, that you know newsreel footage of, which is basically just a trimmed down version of Godzilla Fifty Four. Yeah, he was showing that to the that conference. Um, God, that was so dry. No, like you're saying, completely silent, and it's it's like the longest two minutes of your life. And it really lets you know. This is kind of what you're in for, guys. Like <laughs> we're re- we're rehashing it with a, with as little effort as possible, really, mm. because they're just going to show you the original movie and like, yeah, they could have just plonked some music under that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, the um, the composer Masaru Sato, he he's he's even not a fan of his work on the on this film. Um, he's he's quoted as saying like it was like listening to a child learn music. Jeez. Or something along those lines, um, which is like, <laughs> I think quite a quite a harsh thing to say about you know about yourself. Really, I I wouldn't have put it that way, um, but it you, you know you do get the impression that you know there's not much time to do this. Give us what you can, and we'll use whatever we can. And yes, some bits just have no music at all. There's just nothing there. It's, it's quite a strange choice because you could have just reused some music, right? Mm. Um, especially if you're going to have two minutes of stony silence, like just yeah. pop something in there just to, even if it's just like people wouldn't be 
people wouldn't be like, oh, how come there's with this creepy music playing over this Godzilla montage? They'd be like, oh, no one would ever think that. You know, it's just it's music for the film. You know, you'd never make well, the association that that's what they're all hearing as well within the movie. Well, have somebody uh, narrate it. Like, have your man a talk about the events. Something. So, okay. Did you watch Gigantus the Fire Monster? The westernized version? Yes. No, I did not have time, unfortunately. Okay, well... I'll... I intended to. Okay. But no, I didn't. Yeah, okay, we'll it. move on to that in a, in a, in a second. Um, but yeah, you're right. That would have been absolutely fine to kind of fill that moment with, with something. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Um, that would have been the perfect time to talk about, oh, you know... I didn't want to kill Godzilla, but we did. And, you know, so-and-so is not here anymore, sacrificed himself. And, you know, yeah. give us some, maybe find a way to give you some fresh insight into Yamane's perspective on those events, given that now he's had some time to reflect on me. You know, yeah, the characters yeah. change as time goes on. Yeah. But no. No, <laughs> none of that. Um, it does make me wonder whether there was supposed to be a bit of music there and it just never got done. Maybe. It, it seems entirely likely. Yeah. But, you know, uh, something that I did like about this, mm-hmm. uh, audio-wise, was Anguirus's Roar. Yeah. Which was... Uh, I've, actually, I've listened... If you listen to the soundtrack for this film, it actually has the samples in isolation. You can you can listen to them all. Wow. So basically, it's a combination of saxophone, harmonica, oboe, and a tuba, like, all together, like, mashed up to make this, this roar. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't realise the samples were on there when I was listening to it. So when it got to that point <laughs> on the soundtrack, I was like, what the fuck is this noise? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, like another nice creative way to make a roar. I, yeah, I love all that. And I like Anguirus's roar. I think it's quite cool. Um, yeah, you know, so there's still, you know, even with all these time constraints and stuff, there's still some creative stuff going on in there. Um, it's just, yeah. Yeah, they did a very good job of making the two monsters sound different, which they didn't really have to do they could have flown that in but clearly they they spent some time giving Anguirus their own character which is nice yeah yeah um okay so i mentioned gigantus so for anyone who isn't aware there is a western version of this movie it's not quite the same as the 1956 king of the monsters which was the you know westernized recut version with new scenes of 54 steve martin Steve Martin. Bless. Uh, <laughs> um, so initially, the US had intended to remove all the drama from from this film and make a new movie called... Oh, right. Power Ranger style. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and call it Volcano Monsters. If, why, why not, eh? Why not? Yeah. So I, th- I know why not. But. <laughs> so uh, basically, Godzilla was going to fight... Uh, an ankylosaurus. Okay. And for some reason, was going to put down roots in the North Pole to lay eggs. But anyway, it got canned um, because the distributor, they went bust. So then later on, the uh, the film basically got butchered into a different film, Gigantis the Fire Monster, um, a few years later in 1959. So... Um, but the, the original company, they, they had planned to shoot new scenes, you know, uh, for the Volcano Monsters. So Toho sent out the original Godzilla and Angie suits wow. um, for the shoot. But apparently they'd vanished and no one knows where they are. 
So, you know, keep an eye on Depop. Might get lucky. <laughs> um, so, but I find this is a... I kind of find this film a bit more interesting <laughs> than Raids Again. I wish I'd watched it now, yeah. Yeah, I think you... But would it would it be interesting if you hadn't seen the other one? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so... Maybe we should revisit it on its own someday. Uh... But not that interesting. Not that interesting. Okay, you go on then. Yeah. So, to start with, they've got... Um, they mix up the names of the monsters. So, the original... When they're showing the footage of Godzilla, the you know, the 1954 Godzilla... Sure. They refer to it as Angorus. Lovely. And then the new Godzilla is called Gigantis. Correct. And then Angorus is called Angorus. Well, yes. So, the, so there's Angorus, Angorus... <laughs> and Gigantis. Uh, they mix up the island names as well. Uh, they mixed up the roars, so sometimes Godzilla's using Ang- um, Anguirus's roar. There's a uh, really bizarre dubbing, and there's a what I gather was quite a fairly well-known line um, where Chikoka says, "Ah, banana oil," to Hidemi because like they're trying to match the mouth movements. And that was the only phrase they could come up with that looks like that. And it's like, it's just out of nowhere. He just says, ah, banana oil. I think he's kind of saying like, oh, no, that's rubbish kind of thing. You know, it's like, oh, no. That's well, and they, they couldn't just say humbug. Like, they yeah, couldn't I just know. say bar humbug. They've got to say <laughs> banana oil. It's just, yeah, it's absolutely surreal. But <laughs> I mean, the idea for this kind of gigantic recut yeah. was that it wasn't meant to be a Godzilla film. And they wanted to market it as a dinosaur monster film. Right. Well, I, why? I can't understand. I don't get that. It's like, well, just why not make it a Godzilla film? Godzilla was popular enough, right? With King of the Monsters. S- surreal. I, d- I just don't really understand. No. Um, but it did have a great poster, actually. Hmm. Yeah. That's one thing going for it. <laughs> um, but it's um, George Takei who does the narration and voice of Tsukioka. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's quite interesting. Um, And during that conference recap of 54, he's narrating that whole bit. Okay, so he's telling what happened. I I guess they've kind of of got to make something up, haven't they? Yeah. Even though they can't recount the events of the first movie if they're going to pretend it it wasn't, it didn't happen. So, yeah, well, he doesn't really... Yeah, it doesn't really make up that much. Basically, it just describes what's happening. But do they do, so do they act like Gigantus has previously attacked a city then? Yeah, the, they just change his name, that's all. Oh, all right. So the, the, that's so weird, though, because they could just have you on like, oh, this happened like you, a couple of days ago. Yeah, you ago could say, oh, it's the same like, one again, right? Yeah. yeah. Or, or we even just cut that scene <laughs> yeah, altogether, yeah, like, yeah. you know? Um, so they, they chuck in a bit more stock footage mm. to kind of give, you know, some things a bit more context about you know where people are and where the nation is and stuff like that um but honestly the the narration is relentless it's it's constant throughout the whole film and it, it leaves no room for nuance whatsoever no thoughts of your own none absolutely none so you know the uh, at the end of the film where um uh you know Godzilla's been buried and under ice under ice and Kyoka's like he looks quite mournful. He's like, you know, well, I've lost Kobayashi, but, you know, we defeated Godzilla. Um, and you, you get all of that 
just from the way he's he's looking you know, from, sure. from acting right um but that whole scene is like <laughs> i wrote it down he says as i looked down i thought of my buddy kobayashi and tears came to my eyes i lowered my head as i remembered how he died for us uh died for all of us and it's like that doesn't need narrating that doesn't need saying you know it's a classic case of you know show don't tell yeah you know um it's i think you should watch it (laughs) (laughs) okay Um, Uh, i might even drop in a few scenes one day yeah um but then then they kind of tacked on this awful kind of sort of happy ending where uh Tsukioka and Hidemi are on top of that building that they were at, you know, where they're having that party before right. the attack in Osaka. They're back there and they're looking at the moonlight above the ocean and they're saying, and we'll live on in happiness together. But the footage that they used was the of the two of them on the top of the building from earlier on, but they're both looking really tense. And it was just like, you know, because <laughs> they wanted to make a happy ending. That was the only footage they had. So they just used it. It's, uh, yeah, something special. I don't think we've really covered it well enough that the the way they defeat Godzilla in this movie is that they bury him in ice. Yeah, that's it. So they're shooting missiles at, at the side of the mountain. They create an avalanche, don't they? Yeah, create, yeah, create an avalanche and, and it buries him. And... It's just so stupid, though. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep him occupied for a day? Yeah, how hard is it to... It's ice! <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's not get into it. It was real ice for the for the actors. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was from the ice machine from a, a nearby ice skating rink. When they're bombing the ice to mm. create this avalanche, which it takes like literally five minutes of continuous bombing, mm. of virtually no dialogue, just little model planes flying around and around and around, dropping bombs on ice, and Godzilla's going, "Ah, oh, ice god," and. It's the same explosion sound effect for every single bomb. Yeah. So you just, I think you should put a little clip of it in just so people can hear the same (laughs) bomb going off three times in a row. And then imagine that for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it it was so kind of relentless, it actually drummed itself out of my memory. And I'm just coming back to it now because you were talking about the way the the western version handled the ending and i was like man that was dire that was real dire like, they couldn't just have like two or three explosion sounds <laughs> like oh just <laughs> relentless yeah and he's, he's gonna get out he's gonna get out i mean spoilers he does get out we know he gets yeah, out well, of the ice yeah yeah <laughs> okay so do you have they go, f- they, go to, they go to such lengths to to kill godzilla <laughs> in that first movie and it's all you know, most of the, the second half of the movie is about, oh, we've got to kill Godzilla. We've got to mm. use this weapon. This is the only way. Yes. Oh, we just bury him in some ice then. <laughs> <laughs> if only we thought of that. Um, do you have a favourite moment from this film that we've been dunking on for the last however long? The miniatures were, were truly outstanding. Agreed. Um, so whenever there was a miniature on screen, and it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's quite... Um, a wonderful thing in a way that you look at this miniature of a building you know or a um what do they call them a japanese castle i can't remember the word now osaka castle no it's got a japanese word doesn't it what is it oh uh oh, i was thinking of a pagoda but i think that's it it is pagoda um so you're looking at these miniatures <laughs> right <and laughs> 
these miniature they're, pagodas. They're, they're so well made. They're so well made, but they've been they're designed to be destroyed. Mm. So whilst you're you're looking at them and you're appreciating them, how wonderfully produced how they are, they're serving their purpose, which is you know to fall apart. And you're like, oh, it's a shame, such a shame that these things are being you know broken. Yeah, and you know, ripped apart. But that's what they're for, and it's an interesting kind of artistic thing. But yeah, there's there's some close-ups of some you know office buildings, there's a castle, um, you know, all of the miniatures just look fantastic, and that is really the movie's major strength. I think actually is that for all the other faults in the special effects, which we covered, these buildings look look great. Yeah, um, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's um, yeah, it's all it's all for the people making the miniatures like i mean i would love to know how they feel about it seeing it like it's like oh it's it's up for five minutes and then it's just getting completely stomped to pieces but i think it's like with anything you do when you do something really well and you're making a, a film or a piece of like you know media like this if you do really good sound editing or set dressing or mm. costume design or you know anything really people don't notice it and therefore it served its purpose like if people can look at these miniatures being blown to pieces and not think that's a miniature which to be fair like obviously at this point yeah but i imagine in 55 that was a less common assumption um then you're doing your job so i think you know there's there's a a real um they probably take a lot of pride in that actually that if the buildings look fantastic not only when they're stood there but also when they're being broken apart mm. it's like this is great i mean because they must just use um particular materials because you couldn't just use anything could you? you've got to use a material which both can be decorated to look like a, a scaled building and also when it breaks apart it looks like a building being i broken think apart. sometimes they use like wafers and food mm. and things like that so it's it's very very highly skilled and i i think you know if it serves its purpose which they they really do very well then I, I doubt there is much regret regarding that i imagine most of the regret would be from a failed shot and they're like oh, you have to rebuild it yeah <laughs> i imagine that's probably the most painful part you have to keep in mind that the end product is not actually the miniature it's the shot isn't it of it being destroyed so yeah yeah there you go um yeah no that's a yeah good point good good strong miniature work there um my favourite moment, which I, I think I already mentioned actually, uh, was the flares over Osaka Bay. Mm, because it, it creepy implications. Yeah, it was just, everything about that was just a, it was a good, good couple of minutes sequence there. And seeing Godzilla come out of the bay was just, you know, great. Any any horror moment in Godzilla, big thumbs up from me. Um, mm. Yeah, smashed it. Really good. Really, really good. Um, yeah. That's my that that was my my top moment, um yeah. So out of kind of worry that we wouldn't have much to talk about in this episode after watching this film, I prepared a little quiz just to mm. <laughs> help pad things out a little bit. Um, so yeah, are you ready for another quiz, Graham? I'm always quiz ready. Brilliant. That's what I like to hear. Um, okay, so there are five questions. And they are all multiple choice. Oh. Which is a... a my a, strong suit. Yeah, I feel it's a bit kinder as well. Um, so, yeah, here we go. Question number one. There was a direct sequel penned, but never produced. What was it called? Was it A, The Abominable Godzilla, B, The Rage of Godzilla, or C, The Bride of Godzilla? I'm going to say... Rage. 
Incorrect. Is it Bride? It's Bride. I do. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it was Bride, and I thought, no, he's going to trick me. <laughs> but I have heard that. I've heard that before. I yeah. I think we might have spoken about it before. Just like yeah, mm. that conversation. Um, so yeah, there was yeah direct sequel planned called Bride of Godzilla, where scientists created a female robot designed to kill Godzilla, and uh, he would eventually have fallen in love with her, and then take her to his colony of surviving Godzillas, where she would then detonate a nuclear device and wipe them all out. Well, missed that big time on this. Yeah. Flipping it. Imagine that. Uh, get, get Warner Brothers on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time once the first. I do wonder whether um, some unplanned scripts would ever get referenced or something like that in future films. Comic books, perhaps. Yeah. If, if that hasn't already occurred. I, actually, if, if ever <laughs> Probably a has. piece of media exists, then maybe there is already a Godzilla, a bride of Godzilla comic book out there somewhere. Probably. Uh, okay, so question two. Which of these was not one of Anguirus's original name ideas? <clears throat> so, Giotos, Zotos, Osoros, Aegon, or Sugon? Aegon. Yes, correct. Is that a Pokemon? Uh, no, it's the name of a Dutch pension and insurance company. Okay, <laughs> close enough. Basically the same thing. Okay, so question three. Following this film, how long is it until audiences saw Godzilla in another film? Was it A, one year, B, seven years, or C, eleven years? Seven? Correct. Yeah. So I thought it was... Um, I would have said it was eight, but it must be seven. So, yeah, 1962 with right, King right, Kong yeah. versus Godzilla. I might... Yeah, I always thought that was a 63 movie, but maybe that's the American date. I think that was the American date, yeah. Well, there you go. But, yeah. Okay, yeah. Got that one? Okay, so, question four. Now, this is a this is an audio round. Oh? Oh. So, at what point... Do we hear this music? Oh, it's very spooky. Okay, so was it A, when Godzilla surfaces um, in Osaka Bay? B, when Kobayashi sacrifices himself, or C, when we first see a glimpse of Godzilla on Iwato Island. I'm going to say C, Iwato Island. No, incorrect. No. It was actually when Kobayashi sacrificed himself. So it was oh. when, when he dive bombs towards Godzilla. I was just so wrapped with emotion. <laughs> to be fair, it is so quiet. The whole soundtrack is so quiet throughout this film. You're like, you'd, you'd struggle to pick some of it out. Good bit of music, though. It is good, and I it was it's so creepy. Hmm. Is is yeah, very good, very good piece. Um, that's why I think he was being too hard on himself with this uh, this composition. To be honest, I I, I liked it. Hmm. Um. So yeah, sorry, didn't get that one. But question five. Okay. Which of these is a real tagline for Gigantis the Fire Monster? Is it A. Born in Hell B. Dragon's Wage Unholy War Or, or C. 
Say your prayers. Gigantus has risen. So which one is real? Yeah. I know which one I want it to be real. <laughs> I think it's the last one. Gigantus has risen. Incorrect. Uh, yeah, it's born in hell. Uh, so that was the least interesting one. Yeah, I liked my ones more. I think, you know, they should have got in touch with me. Got a, got a time machine. Yeah. I could have sorted them out. So how, how did I do how did this you do? time? You got two. Ah, good for me. Well done. Two is better than zero. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go let's go for our overall thoughts which you know are probably already clear to most people um i mean overall i think it's quite a snappy film you know it, it's over in a flash it felt like to me it felt like it was about 40 minutes long it's 80 minutes to be to be fair yeah yeah but. it's so it's, yeah it's a fairly short film um i feel like whereas the original film 54 had an ending that kind of gave you um this feeling that there was no winner, so to speak. There's, you know, no side was right. No one really benefited from this situation. Sure. Raids, I actually feel almost specifically says, you know, we won, like against all odds, you know, despite the fact that one of the characters died. Um, I felt like almost like a display of defiance to some degree. Um, yeah, just just which, underneath some ice cubes, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they think they've won. Um, they have to be pretty naive to think yeah. that. But whatever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, f- it feels like there was there's some evolution to what we've come to expect from a Godzilla film. You know, it starts bridging that gap between the hardcore misery of '54 mm. to the more you know action based romps. Um, but what lets it down really is it's it's a film with very little consequence. You know, that like I said before, it doesn't feel like there's any real threat. You know, so any of any moments in it just don't really, really land as such. Um, but, you know, we see, like, we start shifting towards, you know, monster action movie territory, you know. So this, this one doesn't have quite enough action that I'd call it an action film, but then also not enough story to call it a drama in any way. Um, it kind of awkwardly straddles the two. And really, you know, it makes for a fairly light experience, you know. It still had heart with that ending, you know, and you liked that whole aspect of um, um, Kobayashi liking Hidemi and stuff like that. Well, I liked uh, the, the tragic nature of it. Yeah. That's it, what I liked, was to yeah. sort of like, oh, she's never going to get to say anything about this. Yeah. She's lived with this knowledge now. Yeah. Yeah. Tragedy. So it's, it's quite nice to have that spoonful of that human element, which I think, you know, even though I wasn't particularly a fan of the way they did it, the idea was still still good, you know, and it didn't detract from the main reason we're watching these films is to watch monsters fight, you know, because like something like that can often just get in the way. I don't feel like it got in the way with this film. Yes, that's a, that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, so I, all in all, for me, it was a is a very easy, if unspectacular, watch. You know, you could stick it on on a Sunday afternoon. I'd I'd happily watch it again, but you know. It, really it ultimately feels like what it is and it's the result of a studio saying you know do the same thing again please yeah which is something that studios still make the mistake of doing even now yeah um because they're a business they need to make money and that's you know 
that's just kind of the way it is. Haven't lessons been learned though? And you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not excusing that by the way. No, I, I know just, you're not. Yeah, but yeah. this is the thing: is my perplexment of like you mentioned Alien and Aliens earlier. It's like, I mean, there were several years between those two films. To be fair, but it proved that you could make a sequel that was quite different from the original, mm. and you'd make a ton of money. And like, I know this might be a lightning in the bottle type situation with those two films, but. You know, it, it just shows you can sort of like you, you can stray from the formula a little bit and still succeed. And then Alien, as a franchise, has, has been basically run into the ground by trying to remake Aliens ever since, which is the most bizarre thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. In terms of Godzilla raids, again, I would say skip it unless you are a diehard Godzilla movie fan. Um, it's a pretty poorly made film, though I expect through no fault of its actual production team for the most part, like we've covered. It has a couple of nuggets of um, goodness, which mainly serve as a foundation for better things to come. Yeah. Like the Angiris fight and all that stuff. But yeah, this is uh, not a great, uh, bizarre footnote, actually, because it, it is relatively important to the future of the, the series because you know the, the head-to-head battle has become the main attraction from here on out. And without this movie, that would not have ever happened. But then you could also argue that it doesn't really kick off proper until King Kong comes into the picture. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's got some relevance, but it, it hasn't got as much much value to today's audience, if you ask me. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it, its most interesting factor is looking at the mistakes they made um, and, and just talking about them. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it even as background noise. To be honest with you, it's a film that you would sort of almost study in a way that so we have to an extent. It's like, what's going on here? Uh, and you would only do that if you were the most obsessive Godzilla fan. So I, I couldn't rec- recommend it to anybody who wasn't already fully initiated into the kaiju way of thinking. So I guess that answers the question of you know, would you recommend it to newcomers? No. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd struggle to recommend it to veterans as well, honestly. <laughs> But it's not bad. I mean, some of the... I mean, um, Mega Gearus is the one that we, we've, you know, r- you know, really ripped to pieces previously, the Millennium yeah. Era movie. Yeah. That was bad movie. But this one is not actually bad. It's just... In, it's that classic thing that... So middling. It's in the middle where it's just like, this is just not good. Um, and there's not... It's not really, really bad, but it's like slow. There's nothing really funny about the things that have gone wrong that much. Uh, so you, you couldn't watch it like on a bad movie night. Far too shallow you for a bad watch, movie night. You could watch Gigantis on a bad movie, bad movie right. night. Right, okay. So there's something to be said there, yeah. yeah. Drink every time there's narration and see how far you get. Woof. But um, yeah, that's the thing, is that middle of the road movies are just, they can be the worst thing. It's This is no by no means an infuriating experience, you know. Not at all. And I wouldn't even call it a missed opportunity in a way, because I guess it made money and it laid the groundwork for a lot more uh, to come, which is... Uh, a lot more better things i think but yeah, yeah, the, yeah pass on this one so i mean yeah i yeah i wouldn't i mean you could recommend this to a newcomer you could do because Something you don't like oh uh, <laughs> well, yeah uh because you know it does explain what happened in 54 with that really long silent silent movie at the beginning um so you don't have to watch 54 if you weren't in the mood for something that heavy you know, so you you could show it to a newcomer, and they would know exactly what happened, and you know they'd be they'd be fine from there on out. Um, so yeah, you could do, but would you? Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> on to on to bigger and better things. 
Okay, so it's time for a new section of the podcast again, which is Kaiju Corner. Uh, so in this section, what do we what do we talk about here, Graham? We talk about times where Godzilla or other kaiju's pop up in pop culture, other than say the movies that we're, we're otherwise you know talking about and reviewing. So it's a way to highlight Godzilla's other antics. Would you say? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, so in the last episode, uh, uh, I mentioned how. I had a rather disappointing at Yokocho Ramen with the Godzilla event that they had on there. It's unfortunate. If you're curious about that, go back and listen to the episode. Um, but basically, it wasn't great. Uh, we complained, actually, to the restaurant and they... And on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, we actually sent them an email. Um, and they, they're they going to send us some vouchers Ooh. for a free meal. Uh, now, part of me is like... Do I want to go back there? But they have other branches, it seems. So I could go to one of the other branches and use branches there. Give it a go, you know. Give it a fair shake, you know. Um, Forget. Yeah, yeah. Have some noodles. Yeah, it was good food. Um, But I, uh, they said about you know because I was saying about the merchandise and I wanted to get some stuff, and so they said yeah it's on the Japan Center site. So I got myself a little mug because I was like you know what I want something I want something Godzilla really commemorate your bad night out with your, yeah. <laughs> with, your with your girlfriend exactly <laughs> every time I drink from this mug <laughs> and uh, then I I also got you a mug Graham oh so next time I see you you'll have a little a little gift from me I look forward to that um, is it like is it like a mug for like a a Godzilla sized drink no it's actually it's as standard as it gets okay yeah it's yeah standard mug. Sorry. No, no. That's all right. Um, Thanks very much. Yeah. So that, that's the update on that. Um, History has been recorded. Yes. You yeah. see the it all turned out all right in the end. Yeah, basically. Um, so, yeah, for this episode, there was something specific I wanted to talk about, but I'm going I'm to save that because I, I, I want to talk about it another time, really, because I feel okay. like there's something slightly more newsworthy happened recently. Um so, Call of Duty Warzone, the video game. Um, free to play, I believe. Free to play. If you are so, so inclined to install it on your platform of choice, it's free. Yes. Um, so, in the next season of the... I don't know how it works in these games, but <laughs> in, the, in the next season, the next episode, whatever it is, uh, there's going to be um, there's going to be a, a Godzilla and Kong feature in it in some way. So... When they were announcing it, like when they were showing the trailers for this, um, first trailer wasn't I wasn't really following what was happening because I don't play Call, I don't play Call of Duty games. Me neither. Um, but there was um, yeah these characters in this trailer. They hear this um, audio message and it's a combination of the MonsterVerse Orca sound and Godzilla's mm. roar. And uh, there were some tweets going out saying like oh, there's a hidden message in the spectral graph of this audio message. And it says monsters are real. And then there was another trailer where it was showing some Godzilla-looking weapons and a Kong camouflage weapon and stuff like that. And then the most recent trailer was where you see you actually see Godzilla and Kong kind of leap into a fight. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how this works in a Call of Duty game. No, I mean, I think I maybe mean... like I know the last one I played. Oh, God knows how many years ago, like well over 10 years ago now I seem to remember 
there was uh you could call in like some like like airstrikes and stuff like that. Or you could bring a helicopter, can't you? You can do like a Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can bring in other vehicles if you call them and stuff like that. So I wonder if it's gonna be something like that, like you can, you know, call upon Godzilla to blast the map or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. I, um, yeah, maybe you could call in the atomic breath, but then I don't know what the the Kong uh, slam his fist, slam his fist down somewhere. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, like or throw, us, throw a tank or something. Yeah, maybe or a rock. Neither is a playing card, as you said, and I would avoid pretty much any Activision game at this point, anyway. But mm. because it's battle royale and you've got quite a large map, it does seem to suggest that the characters could be physically present in the the game that's that would be the top end of what you would want mm. now, if i was playing fortnite or apex legends or warzone and they had actual godzilla and kong on opposite sides of the map that would be like wow this is great mm. like the scale of it would be fun but i can't see how they can actually do that if they can if that's what they're up to that would be really fun yeah but yeah i i don't know how they would implement it because i don't play the game but mm. yeah yeah i don't know but I don't know. It, it just got me thinking like how few decent Godzilla specific games exist. Oh yeah. For such a big character and franchise to be falling behind like this is it's disappointing really for for me, for you, for anyone really. Um I mean the most recent Godzilla game I played was a one of those kind of tapper games, you know, where you just basically tap the screen. A mobile game. Yeah, it's a mobile game. Uh it's like a card based game. And it was your usual, you know, mobile game microtransaction nightmare. Yeah. So I gave up you know really fast um but i mean the last good one i played and you know would be one we mentioned before is the uh, godzilla destroyer monsters melee and that was 18 years ago no. so it's like uh. that's well that's when it came out you know so it's not 18 years since we last played though. not since we last played it but that's when it's it probably out. more like 14 years <laughs> yeah probably yeah um which is yeah it's sad but i mean so you know i thought i'd, I'd bring this up anyway because you know timely it's timely you know there are people listening they probably do play call of duty they know exactly what i'm talking about you know and yeah, like, have a good they, time. and for anyone who isn't doesn't play it you know maybe it's worth us keeping an eye on maybe it's something really good i'll certainly know. check out a gameplay video i mean yeah this is this is one of the problems with call of duty warzone is that the install is gargantuan it is quite literally Godzilla Godzilla sized <laughs> yeah it's over 100 gigabytes and then some wow so if you're installing cod on your ps5 or whatever it is you better have another drive spare or it's the whole reason you've got the system pc players may not suffer quite as badly in that regard mm. um but yeah uh, that's one of many reasons i've not bothered to install it but not the only reason yeah um uh, but yeah interesting isn't it and i would yeah. like to see i yeah i would i'd like to see them be more creative with, with godzilla in games like you know but i, I think that the kai, kaijus have been not necessarily godzilla as a licensed thing but you probably find some other good kaiju games out there that you know well this is what i was going to bring up today but i'll save it for the next one fair enough um so yeah not really something specific to bring to the table this time um but i thought it was worth mentioning anyway so what about you well you might call this a kaiju coincidence oh that i've also got a video game to talk about okay so my kaiju kebab what was it yeah, that was it. My kaiju kebab is filled Ooh. with a spicy factoid from Super Metroid 
you may already be aware of this, Ben, but some people who are listening may not know that the 1994 video game Super Metroid features many gruesome, grotesque boss fights. And uh, when you defeat some of these bosses, they make the sounds from some famous Godzilla monsters, namely Anguirus. So topical, you see. So if you're going to play Super Metroid, which I would highly recommend, still holds up pretty well, pretty great game. Uh, when you when you kill off um, Crocomaya, he lets out the sound from uh, Titanosaurus, who's uh, a, a character we won't, we won't get to until uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla, but that's the cry that, that uh, Crocomaya lets out. Mm-hmm. And then when you kill um, Dragon, which is like a green sort of flying sort of uh, maggoty bug type creature, that lets out a sort of distorted um, Anguirus noise um so yeah it's just like a little that's a a little stolen godzilla easter you might say yeah um that you you would you'd probably eat quite easily spot if you were a godzilla fan before you played super metroid but if you're a godzilla fan who hasn't played super metroid take this as your uh incentive to do so and i've got the clips here so we can we can yeah, play let's I- play them now <laughs> Um, okay, no, that's 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 cool. Uh, I seem to remember because I hadn't played Super Metroid the whole way through until was it last year, year before? Last year, yeah. Yeah, um, I'd I'd played it but never finished it. So yeah, this is my time to just get it done because Metroid Dread was coming out, and you know I wanted to play through Fusion, so I did all that. And I remember, I think I was talking to you, and I think you mentioned about the the Godzilla. Sound. I think it, one of them is Godzilla's roar, right? As far as I've I've swatted up again today because I didn't just play Super Metroid, but um, I don't think they use Godzilla's roar. But there are other instances of this happening. Um, uh, another example um, of them of, of a video game company basically stealing Godzilla sound effects would be like Street Fighter. When you play Street Fighter Two on Fei Long's stage, when you complete a fight, you hear a mixture of Anguirus and Mothra's cries. Oh, right. Because there's like little animals, there's like a peacock and like a dragon statue in the background, and when you win, they move and it makes this sound. Yeah. Um, But no, I can't recall, this is the thing, isn't it? That Nintendo and Capcom, they might try their luck with Anguirus, but I don't think they're going to sneak in a little Godzilla sound. Mm. Mm. I'm not sure, that would maybe... A bit to you on the nose. They might get some lawyers on the phone, but I, I, I don't know. Nintendo is not afraid of doing this kind of thing. I mean, like uh, Earth, <laughs> Earthbound. There's so many samples from oh well, know, yeah, actual songs in there, just distorted. You know, it's uh... that's true. But I feel like it's a bit different when you mix it into a soundtrack and sort of hide it versus what these two games do, especially in Super Metroid. It is just the sound. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. You can split hairs over these things. Yeah. I, I, as far as I'm aware, you don't hear Godzilla himself in Super Metroid. Right. But. Right. Um, well, okay. No, that's a, that's a that's a good one. I didn't realize there were so many roars actually. Um, yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, that kind of does it for uh, today's episode. Um, thanks for bearing with us through that. There was a. <laughs> I I feel kind of mean. I I feel like we we ragged on it a lot, and then there were points in this recording sounded woefully underprepared. It's just yeah. I I think uh, part of it is that you know we have terrible memories, 
and this wasn't really that good of a film to talk about in all honesty <laughs> so yeah i mean yeah apologies aside i feel sometimes the movie begets the discussion and sometimes the movie gets the discussion the movie deserves that's all i'll say about that that's yeah good way to maybe i'll write some notes next time i don't know (laughs) (laughs) no good way to wrap it up um okay so where can people speak to you graham if they want to speak to you or hear you etc etc i want them to speak to me via the correct channels of the monster island radio channels do you remember the account names Oh, a second quiz. Um, I believe you can contact Monster Island Radio via Twitter on at, at Monster Island RP. Yes, correct. And That's then, another point. That's a bonus point. And then on Instagram, if you are so inclined to contact a podcaster via Instagram, you can contact us at Monster Island Radio. Yes, exactly. Yes. And then, I think that's it, isn't it? We don't have any other social handles. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's it. Uh, you can comment on YouTube or... Yeah, yeah, do the five-star thing on your, on your podcast platform of choice. Yes, Spotify has it at the top. So if you go to the channel page, go to the top, you can rate there. Yeah. You know, you can do it on Apple as well and, and on YouTube. We, we, get, we get something out of that, presumably. Um, just the satisfaction that we've pleased some listeners. Yeah. We're not doing this for, for money. We're just doing it for fun. Yeah, exactly. So... Click five stars. Or, or don't. I don't know. If you're not going to do five stars, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no stars. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, if you want to see any of my drawings or anything like that, um, it's Ben M. R. Hall on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and yeah, so I think that's anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up? I don't think so. No? Okay. No. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for listening again really appreciate it um so until the next episode whichever one that may be i'm not sure yet um hopefully you know we'll record it in a in a decent time frame again like we have with this episode um as as soon as possible as soon as we can (laughs) honestly uh yeah so uh until then everyone bye bye as i looked down i thought of my buddy kobayashi and tears came into my eyes i lowered my head as i remembered how he had died for all of us